Hey everyone, please be advised that this episode contains discussions around spiritual abuse, religious trauma, and other sensitive topics. The content may be distressing or triggering for some individuals, so if you feel uncomfortable or find these discussions distressing, we invite you to prioritize your mental health and well-being and consider skipping this episode. This is the Touchy Subjects Podcast. My name is Erin Billings, and I am your host. In this episode, we are going to be spilling the tea on all things church finance. And I have Dr. Severn Bryan of the Dr. Sev Talks Money Podcast here joining me. So I hope that you enjoy this episode because the tea is piping hot. We are back and we are going to be talking about money. And oh boy, I am so excited for this episode because money is a hot button topic in the church. We are coming into a major election season and many people vote their pocketbooks. And I've even heard pastors shade people for doing that. But hey, we've all got to mind our money. I've even heard it said from the pulpit that if you want to know what someone's priorities are, look no further than a person's checkbook or their calendar. This is a very needed conversation, and Dr. Severn is a money whiz. So I'm so excited for you to hear from her. Dr. Sev, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, let us know who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Dr. Severn Bryan, an accredited financial counselor. I help Busy women take command of their personal finances so they can reach their financial goals and gain peace of mind. And we do that through a number of ways. We look at your budget, we look at what income's coming in, what expenses are, and we look at everything related to your money so that we can maximize your paycheck. What I would like for you to do, because I know you personally, I know that you recently went through a divorce. Your life has changed so much. Can you share with everyone about that experience? Because I think that's something that everybody needs to hear is where, what you've been through and where you've come from and how you've kind of arrived here. Yes. So at age 53, 54, I filed for divorce. And because I filed for divorce and I had a non-cooperative spouse, I had to walk away from a house that I'd been paying on for over 13 years. And the painful part was not that I was paying for 13 years, was that I like to get ahead of my bills. So I paid ahead of, of my mortgage. And of course, because I walked away from my house, rented a house for me and my daughter, my credit was shot. All my finances fell apart. I had lawyer bills because he took me to court. Not that he got much afterward. <laughs> so he took me to court. He asked for half of my 401k, something he did not contribute to. And just for peace sake, I gave him the half of the 401k. So I had to rebuild my credit. I had to rebuild my savings. I had to rebuild my net worth. Today, my credit is in the 800s where it dropped to 500. I had negative net worth and negative 
savings because, of course, I had to use my savings to pay the lawyer and put it on credit cards. Today, I have a multiple five-figure savings account and a multiple six-figure net worth. And I build and rebuild using simple financial strategies. And of course, I hired a financial coach to help me because it's only a lawyer hires himself, right? (laughs) So even though I was very versed in personal finance, having taught personal finance at my church for over 20-something years, I still needed to hire somebody else to help me build. So I, I merged my education, my experience to be able to help me rebuild my finances. I love that. And I, I wanted you to share that because I think it's so important for everyone out there listening to hear that there is hope. And that's something that you talk about a lot on your podcast, Dr. Sev Talks Money. And so I just wanted everybody to hear that just so that they know that there's a glimmer of hope them. And, you know, of course, this podcast is all about deconstructing our belief systems, our faith, all of those things. I would love if you could share your deconstruction story, because I know that everybody has a moment of deconstruction in their life, whatever it comes to their faith. And so I would love for everybody to hear yours. I'll start out with this saying, I don't know if anybody listening have ever heard of the frog when the frog is in the hot water. When he's dropped in the hot water, he realizes he's in the hot water and he jumps out. But when the frog is put in cold water and the hot water of the heat is turned up, eventually the frog doesn't realize that they're being cold. (laughs) And I feel like I am the frog who was in the cold water, who the heat was turned up, And then it was after I walked away from that situation that I realized certain things that are not quite right. So a few of the things that really had me thinking was I visited with my pastor at a church and he was asking for a certain amount from everyone and people who did not have it. He was suggesting that they get together. So if you didn't have it, let's say it's $20. And you could give 10 and I will give 10 and we'll have the $20. Seems like it was a fundraiser thing more than an offering. But I had already written the check for whatever it was he was asking for. And then he kept asking for different people to give. He was asking now, who has how much? One lady had a certain amount. And he asked me, Severin, could you write a check for the, the difference so you could, you could put with her? to make up that amount. And I thought, what if I didn't have it? Why, why would you put me on blast, because <laughs> they say, for me to write a check to make up with that woman to give the amount that you're asking for? And then I started doing some evaluation and I realized that I've always been a five-figure giver in my church, any church I go to. I've always been a generous giver, generous tither. And I saw that as my giving being more valuable than me. And the, the, the kicker for me really starting looking at the giving in churches is I moved to Florida for a job from Georgia. And I always sent in my tithing and uh, offering envelopes. And I got the tithing and giving offering put in the envelope and I dated the checks, dated the envelope, 
and deciding to send more than one at a time. I sent that off. I checked. I said, hey, check the post office. I sent off several checks. I checked my account and all of the checks were cashed at one turn. I sent a text and I said, hey, you cashed all my checks and the dates were on them. The dates were on the tithing envelope. You were only supposed to cash them one at a time. To this day, I have not heard back from them. And to me, that was cementing the fact that my giving was more important than I was. I was in that church for 19 years. I was a stewardship director. I taught Sunday school. I preached Sunday mornings. I was called on at the last minute to teach Bible study. And nobody checked on me after I left Georgia to go to Florida for my new job. Nobody. And that was just an eye-opener for me. And then another thing that happened is when the pastor needed support for he was going to be crowned bishop or some title like that, I got a text from him inviting me to his event. I wish him the best, and I did not go. <laughs> because again, it was more about, I know they were going to do some offering. They were going to do some ask for money for that such a big event because there are several people being um, crowned bishop or whatever the terminology is. So I knew that was a money-raising time. And I did not want to go to help you raise money because that's not what giving is about. Right. So those are some of the things, uh, there are not more, but those are some of the things that really opened my eyes to the games that are played in church when it comes to giving and how people are taken for granted if they're the giving, and if they're not giving, how they're treated differently. Oh, you just preached a whole word right there. Just whenever you talked about the fact that he cashed the checks ahead of time, that is against the law. Like, they could have their 501c3 revoked. I know this because I've worked in so many churches. We have to be very careful with the accounting and the finances of a church. And that's why we're having this whole conversation today. Because there's some shady stuff that happens in the church when it comes to money. Like I said, in the United States, the church is a 501c3, which means it is a charity and it is a nonprofit organization. But the church acts a lot more like a for-profit business a lot of times. Yes. And that is something that we need to deconstruct. <laughs> so I agree. I agree. Another thing that happened that as I'm thinking is we had bought a church and it was based on the giving of the top 10 in the church. We were able to secure this property, multi-million property, but it was an older church. Mm -hmm. And if you know the leader, he is into far gumbo, he's into fancy things. So it wasn't in line with his style. And eventually he sold that church that building and bought land and we started meeting in a school. So we bought the land to build a new church. Well, the market started softening. We ended up losing that land. Where's the money? We sold the church for over a million dollars. And at one of the meetings, he said, well, I gave some of that money to the treasurer to, for his house, to help with his house or to help him buy house. And I thought, 
okay, there are people who you borrowed money from to help with this building who have not been paid. And the treasurer, of course, is his best friend. Hmm. I don't have a problem with help, helping someone in the church. But we're asking for the telling of the money and out of you being defensive and saying, that's what you did. Yes, I understand he's made sacrifices, but so have other people. He's made sacrifices for the church. I have made sacrifices for the church. And really, if I wanted, I could have asked back for my money because as a charitable organization, a nonprofit, you can always ask back for your offering and your tithes when you give it, okay? You can ask the church back for your money. But that, just those kinds of things are just things that make you wonder what is the approach? What should your approach be when it comes to money and the church? This is not your money. This is our money that we're all given for a purpose. And you take it and you do whatever you want with it. You won't leave account for it. And you are getting defensive because you've given it to your best friend to help him buy a house. Meanwhile, the church is never built. Where that money is today, I don't know. Because we moved into a new building and we had to collect offering again to help catch up with the rent for that building. Where did the money go? I don't know. I'm not saying you used it illegally, but where did it go? You still haven't told us. Well, I'm going to question whether it was illegal or not, just because when you write a check to a nonprofit organization, you are supposed to put in the memo exactly what it's for. And if it is not allocated exactly what that check was meant for, you are out of line, out of integrity. And that's the stuff that you can get in trouble for. Like there, there's so much red tape when it comes to 501c3 because you're dealing with the IRS. And that's why we've got to have these conversations. So let's get started. I would love to know from your professional opinion, why is money a touchy subject? Wow. We've heard money stories all of our lives. We've heard, even in church, money is the root of all evil. I would advise those pastors and leaders to go read their Bible <laughs> because the Bible never said money is the root of all evil. So, uh, we've heard all kinds of money stories. Money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, and we don't have it. Do you have McDonald's money? <laughs> we've heard all of these messages. And because of that, we've formed this image of money in our minds that it's this untouchable thing. It's this monster. It's this secret thing. When really money is simply a tool that we need to learn to use. It's like any other tool. If I don't know how to use a hammer, I'm going to hit my finger. But if I learn how to use the hammer, I know how to hit the nail correctly. And money is the same way. If we learn how to use money, then we can use it as a tool it was intended to be. And we can't continue to make money this mysterious things in church and make it seem like if people don't give, there's this hammer over their heads. We have to stop that, that kind of messaging. So money, again, is simply a tool, but we have to unlearn a lot of things about money, things that we've been taught in church, taught in the home, taught through movies. We have to unlearn those things and realize that money is a tool. And once we learn to use that tool, we can learn all the different facets of money and how can it be used to make our lives better. Because that's all it is. It's just, it's there for us to use 
to make our lives better. We eat food to keep us healthy, to keep us going, to make sure that we have energy. We get money for similar reasons to keep us going, to pay, pay our bills, to make sure we have comfort in the terms of roof over our head, light, heat, cold, all those things. We just need to learn how to use money to do those things. I agree wholeheartedly. I love what you said in the beginning where you were talking about, are they loving me or me and what I bring to the table? Or are they just dealing with me because I contribute and I give? And you give beyond the tithe. And so that became very noticeable, apparently, to your pastor. Something that I've kind of wondered about personally is, is there a difference between giving and tithing? Along with that, whenever it's attached to a person, because of course it's a person giving or a person tithing, how does that all work? Because honestly, like you said, it's, it's a little messy. Yes, it, it can get messy. The, the, the fine line between tithing and giving is that tithing in the Bible was attributed a certain percentage. There's a number attributed to tithing, whereas giving, we're always told give generously. There are over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible on, on money and possessions and all of that. More than faith, more than salvation, more than anything. There are just a lot of, mess, of scriptures about money and how we handle our money. The only thing I can think of after having studied money is that tithing is a percentage of your paycheck or your whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a paycheck. It's your first fruit, whatever it is, your first gift in your garden or because at the time we were agricultural in nature, <laughs> right? So it was 10% of all whatever that comes into your home, 10% of that was to be given to the Lord. And then giving is, you know, whatever else you want to give. But I think giving is a hard thing. It's really a hard thing. You decide in your mind what you're going to give, and then you decide and give generously based on that. I think of the widow, when she gave, people focus on the fact that she gave her all. But here's the thing, she never gave more than her all. And a lot of time in churches, we're asking people to put things on credit card. Hmm. That's giving more than your all. You're putting people in debt in order to give. Ooh. And that's not scriptural. There is nowhere in the Bible where I see you're asked to give more than what you have. And that's where some of the danger comes in with how we're asked to give. So yes, there is a fine line between in terms of the definition of giving. And what is more about, there is a percentage attributed to tithing and Tithing is not in the New Testament. We'll say that. It's not in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament. So I don't have a problem to still tithe, personally, but it's up to everybody else how you want to give. If you want to give generously, your generous could include that 10%. And for those pastors, I'll say, if you give a 10% of your gross, you get a gross blessing. <laughs> and if you give 10%, you get a net blessing. Who says? Show, that, show me in the Bible where it says, if you give 10% of your growth, you get a gross blessing versus 10% of your net. Personally, I like to give from, from the gross. 
That's my choice to give from the gross. But again, when you give generously, does it matter if it's 10, 15, 20%? Because you're giving generously of your money. So it doesn't matter if it's 10 or 15%. And who cares if you're giving, you know, how much you're giving? One of the problems I'll, I'll, I'll say is we are more concerned with the horizontal relationship when it comes to giving than we are the vertical relationship. And too many pastors try to make giving about the horizontal relationship. And that's why they guilt you. They play games with you. They have $100 line. God told me there are 15 people who can give $10,000. Well, if God told you, he told me that I can give 10000 because it's going to be confirming. His word is confirming. So if he told you that I am supposed to give 1000 he's going to prompt me. He's going to tell me in some way that I'm to give 1000 So when we're making the relationship about the horizontal rather than the vertical, that's when we feel guilty about giving. But if we are vertically connected, and we know what we're supposed to give. When we come to church, it doesn't matter what that pastor says. I know what I'm going to be giving. I know what the Holy Spirit has prompted me to get. And that's what I'm going to give. I love that. What you just said reminded me of something my grandma taught me since I was little, which is God's not a gossip. He ain't going to tell you something before he tells me. And so when preachers pull that crap from the pulpit about God told me you're going to give X amount of dollars, I'm like, oh, you better. You better stop blaspheming in the pulpit. <laughs> yeah. And if you think about it, one pastor will start a trend and all of a sudden, other pastors are starting it. So you're telling me that God is telling all these pastors the same message <laughs> when it comes to giving, the same type of message? And you're some, you know, it's not my place to judge, but I have to question because the Bible says trying to spirit. But I have to question is God telling all these pastors the same message? And then we start a new trend, the giving line. <laughs> now all pastors doing the giving line. Is that a God Or is it a, oh, that seems to be working for that pastor. His church is growing real fast. We try that. So where's the Holy Spirit in that? Yeah, that's, you just hit the nail on the head with that one. When it comes to tithing, a lot of people believe that it's an outdated ritual. My take is that giving never goes out of style, but the intentions and practices behind tithing, like you have mentioned, have changed, and that's what makes them feel outdated in the minds of people. What do you think about that? Well, as I said, personally, I, I still practice the habit of tithing. Well, I had been practicing. Right now, I'm not charged, so <laughs> I just send it for charity or something. but. Uh, I, I believe that if that's what someone believes, that they should give 10%, then they should honor that belief. If they, you know, the only 10% of the world or whatever. So I believe it's up to each individual. This shouldn't be a mandated thing. Because if you give generously, again, going back to what I said before, you, you're going to surpass 10% anyway. And who is to say, I'm, I want to make a note that you're giving 10%. What is your salary? 
okay, I want to make sure you're giving 10% of that. And I want to make sure you're giving so much. Who placed anybody as Lord over that? Who placed any pastor to say, you need to document that each person is giving, that you need to know their salary and you need to know that they're giving 10%. I don't know that I remember seeing that in the Bible. And if, if I, huh, if I just missed it, I'd love for somebody to educate me. So again, I think it's it really, it depends on the individual. It shouldn't be mandated. It should be, you know what? I want to adhere to some of these practices that are in the Old Testament. And I want to adhere to these that are in the New Testament. And if not, we should take the Bible apart and just delete parts. But there are certain practices like, you know, even our clothes. We're not supposed to wear things that wear the different blends of types of materials. Mm -hmm. We're not supposed to wear that. But we all wear material where there's cotton and linen or, or whatever. I mean, there are lots of practices that we don't follow today because, because of the way of our society. And when Jesus was on the earth, the things that he said and then should be our example that we should follow. And he never said anything about tithing. He said, give generous. Mm -hmm. He never said you need to give 10%. So again, it's up to each person, I think, how they have purpose in their heart that they're wanting to give and to be consistent with that. Because once you are, and then you, you again, that vertical relationship, as you develop that vertical relationship, the Holy Spirit will prompt you what to do, not the pastor, <laughs> not the guilt trip, not the lines, not any of that. The Holy Spirit will prompt what you need to do and how you need to give, just like the widow with the two lines. Right. I've heard pastors that say from the pulpit, if you don't tithe, God won't bless you, or they'll imply that you'll be cursed in some way, which in my opinion, they're essentially threatening you to tithe. And I mean, I've heard this, I've experienced this personally. Why is that harmful? And what would be a better way to go about this that is not inflicting guilt and shame on the congregation? I think pastors who do that, again, you're guilting you into giving. And to me, that's the worst way to give because you're not giving generously. You're not giving from a pure heart. And that's where the Bible says it will bless, he won't bless you if you're not giving generously and from a pure heart. You're giving stingily or, you know, that kind stingily. Then that's where the Bible says that he possibly will bless your seed. So I would say the pastors who are given that message, one of the things you may want to talk about is show scripture. Show scriptures how Jesus behaved how the disciples behave when it came to giving. What was his messaging? You should be preaching that same message. You should be saying that same message. I mentioned at the beginning that I was a stewardship director at this church. And before the offering every Sunday, I would have my little book with the scripture and, you know, prompting people to give and prompting people to give. And looking back, I thought that was a harmful practice. Because you're spending all that time, you know, like drumming into people to give. Well, can we talk about stewardship rather than giving? Can we teach people how to manage their entire paycheck? Because pastors will pay $2,000 to bring in a high name, big name 
who I guess they think will bring crowds to the church. I don't know. Rather than paying somebody $200, $250 to teach people about managing your overall check. That, I think, is the, the message that should be taught. How can we be good stewards of our check? Because when we're good stewards of our check, then we will have no problem giving because we're managing our money well. That should be the message. Not give, 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 give. Put it on your credit card. You have a credit card? Put it on your No, <laughs> no. You're getting people in debt. And you're running people away also because now if they don't have it to give, they don't want to come to church. And, and that's just the wrong message to say. I agree wholeheartedly. It, nobody wants to come to a place where they're going to feel shame and guilt and all of those negative emotions. People should be wanting to go to church for community. They should be wanting to go to church for love, for love of God, love of people, love of serving. It seems like a lot of people got this wrong. One big issue that I have with the church is when they make tithing a stipulation on membership or volunteering. I personally have witnessed wonderful volunteers that were basically unpaid part-time church employees being set down because they did not tithe. And if I'm being honest, I was threatened that I would lose my job if I didn't tithe at one of the churches that I worked at. I even know due to a dramatic family situation that you cannot report pastoral abuse if you are not a tithe-paying member of a church. Please tell me how this is unethical. To me, it seems a little bit culty, but I would love to know your thoughts. Wow. I need to read my Bible again. There were times I would read my Bible through, you know, for, you know, you do the one year read through, and I've done it several times. And I don't see anywhere in the Bible where those practices were done. So again, where are they coming from? I think it's cultish. I think it's very cultish. And I don't know if illegal is a word, but you're coercing people who are already trying to volunteer for, because that 10% of their time is their time. Right. Them volunteering and not having the financial means, that 10% of their time is their time. You can tithe your time. You can time, time whatever it is. Because again, the time was based on the first fruit of anything. It's your labor. It's your, your money. So you're sitting me down because I'm not tithing. Have you brought in someone to say, okay, how can I help you to manage your money so that you can be a more generous giver? Instead of sitting me down, what does sitting me down do for you? It shames. What does sitting me down do for the church? Nothing. Right. And, and all these behaviors and practices are practices that we see one church do and then another church do it. And then if the big church do it, then it's got to be right. And actually, one of the pastors of one of the big churches who used to do things like this came back around and said that was a, a formful practice and it wasn't something I should have done. We have to be careful what we're adopting. And if we are wanting to adopt something, search the scriptures because they're there for our guidance. And, you know, the Bible said, 
when, when we gave instructions, he said, put these stones here as a way of remembrance. So now, if there's something we want to do in the church, let's go look in the Bible for that remembrance stone so we can practice what that thing is. But yes, I really believe it's cultish. Yeah, it's total high control. This comes back to that line between tithing and giving, because when we give of our time, my time is more valuable than my dollar. Yes. My brain, my energy, everything that I am is more valuable than the money that I'm going to donate to whatever organization. And so I just don't understand, like you said in the beginning, how they can put that dollar before the person. I j- it just does not make sense to me. And that's something that I think really has to be worked out in the culture of the church. because. I don't see this happening in other nonprofit organizations. I don't see this happening in corporate or in business situations. Like I'm almost at the place where I think that churches should be taxed because they operate as a for-profit business, but they get the perks of a 501c3. Yes. And I, I, I really struggle with that. Yeah, that's the way we've gone. That's not where we started, but that's certainly the way we go, we've gone because we've adapted so many of the world's standards instead of the biblical standard. You know, what do you do in a culture that harms you because you don't want to be called out? So you don't want to be called out to give that you're not a giver. So you give what you don't have. You know, that's the culture that we've created in the church where people are giving what they don't have because they don't want to be put on blast. They don't want their names to be listed on a list and posted somewhere that these are the people who don't give. Wow. And that's the toxic culture that we've created in the church. And I don't see that. I don't see it in the Bible. I don't see it. And, and we're, we've repelled so many people who would be interested in the community and the fellowship of what the church is supposed to represent. Because we've created all of these rules that are not biblical because we want control. We say, oh, it's, the pastor will say, oh, it's, you know, the church belongs to all of us. But then you're putting a hammer down with rules that don't benefit anybody but you. Mm. It, it makes no sense. Preaching a word over there. Okay, well, we're running out of time. Dr. Sev, how can our listeners contact you, find you, connect with you. I'm sure that there might be some people out there that's like, I need to have her come speak at my church on how to get my finances in order because we've got a lot of pastors and church leaders that listen. Dr. Sev, how can people find you? One of the best ways is through my website, which is sevtalksmoney.com. That's S-E-V talksmoney.com. There's a contact form on there. All of my social media is linked to my website. So that's one of the best places they can find me. And then I also hang out a lot on LinkedIn. So you can find me over there. Just search for Severin Brian, S-E-V-E-R-I-N-E, Brian, and you can find me on LinkedIn. You can see what I'm doing over on LinkedIn to see if I qualify to speak at your organization. But I promise you I am. Oh, I, I know she is. I can speak to it. I've worked with you for over a year now. And I just, I love what you do. I love the energy that you bring to it and the passion that you have 
behind it. So thank you so much for being here today. I've enjoyed this conversation and I know that there's going to be a lot of people out there that are hearing it that needs to really take under advisement what you just said. So thank you so much. And everybody out there listening, we'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Touchy Subjects podcast. If you would like more information about what we do and who we are and how you can get involved, check out our website, www.letstalktouchysubjects.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Let's Talk Touchy Subjects. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode.